welcome, Michael Young. Yeah. <laughs> I interview celebrities all the time. Are you ready to climb? My pal Blake Shelton. Welcome back to the Ice Coffee Hour. My name is Michael Yo, and this podcast has made three million dollars. No, no, not not quite. It's We're close. No, two hundred twenty-five thousand four hundred forty-six dollars. See, see, see. Not a bad I mean, guess, yeah. but uh, you know it's okay though. Yeah. You know, like I, I want to like aim higher. Yeah, and I want to make great things happen. So maybe by the end of the podcast. It would make three million. Three million. Yeah, maybe. Oh, no. we, we need something to sell. Yeah, we need something to sell. Yeah. But you know what? We got uh, we started a Patreon. Oh, see? Yeah. See? And I'm half black and Asian, so I'm very in right now. Yeah. Like ambiguous is the way to go. I yeah. can be in anything. You <laughs> All know? right, cool. And I'm non-threatening. There like, we go. Okay, see? well, you know what? If you want to see uh, well, more info, our Patreon is down below in the description. <laughs> you know, when you we walked just, in, I got to say, you had yeah. the nicest just like look. Like, really? Yeah, your your characteristics, like your your facial structure and everything, you're just so smiling. Are you attracted to me? <laughs> are, you, are you are you hitting on me? Right should, now? I'm, not, I'm not explicitly. You hitting want on me to, but you know, it's kind of like. I mean, I can I can talk to my wife, you know, but I mean, she's oh too, yeah, okay, yeah, she's I just didn't see a ring. Oh, just, oh, you know what? That's interesting. You brought that up. So, <laughs> so I uh, I passed out on an airplane. This is a crazy story. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I got food poisoning. I was flying from Austin, Texas to here and I got food poisoning and I was on the window seat and I got up and I'm and I passed the two people. And all I remember is taking two steps and I woke up and a guy had my legs over my head and he was looking through my legs <laughs> and he goes, are you OK? And I was so confused. I go, am I? I have no idea. So I passed out in the middle of the aisle of a plane. And I landed between two nurses. Like, each, my head fell in between two nurses on the aisle. And it was the craziest. I was out for like 45 seconds on a plane in the middle of the what aisle. What happened? Food. I, I guess yeah. the, I was dehydrated, food poisoning. I wasn't taking in liquids. Yeah. And I just finished performing like five shows. So I was exhausted, I guess. And yeah. I always take the first flight out. And I, you know what? I... I I don't sound morbid, but I always think about how death would feel like. And that's what it's like. Because mm-hmm. I didn't, I'm just out. Two nurses standing over you. Yeah, yeah, two <laughs> nurses. But you're just out. You yeah. don't know you're out until you come back. And that, I mean, it was the weirdest thing. that I've never been knocked out or passed out. But it was something, man. It was crazy. It was crazy. Holy And so, cow. but what does that have to do with the ring? Oh, so when yeah. I fell, the ring came off. Okay, yeah. I was just trying to shift gears. No, when I fell, the ring came off and went under. Oh, like, no. And I didn't know. Did you get it? No, because I didn't, never knew I didn't have it on because I was so out of it till I landed and I was gone. Yeah. So my, we're trying to get, uh, I told, and also another reason the ring, I have a, um, what's it called? Uh, my finger locks up because of my ring jammed into my nerve because I, I sleep on my hand. Oh, sure. And so I have trigger finger because of the ring. So I have to get a plastic one now. So we're looking for that. So my wife, uh, I had a gold one, but now I have to get a plastic yeah. one. Now, what do you think about Jack wearing a ring? Are you wearing a ring no, today, I'm not Jack? A ring wow, today. Jack usually wears a I ring wear on yeah. his yeah. ring f- finger. On my right on, hand. On the right hand. Yeah. And I said that's bad. If he's dating, yeah. you shouldn't be wearing a ring, especially there. You shouldn't be wearing. Any I'm not. Rings. I'm. Su- I'm searching. You know what I mean. Oh, you and, su- so you're a player. No, I'm not. I'm no, not, you're a player. Certainly not. No, no, no. Okay, that, far from it. I am searching at the moment. You know, looking for my lucky lady. Okay. And I wear a ring of my favorite musician. So and I, who's that? Rex Orange County is okay. his name. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I just wear a ring. That he it was like part of his merch. Yeah, it's so. weird, right? So you just because you like him, you wear a ring. I like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And. Okay. Yeah, I like yeah, it. It's you weird. Know what I mean? It's weird. I, you know, I think it's that's pretty normal. You wear a ring too, right? Yeah, but I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married, and yeah, I wear. At the end ring. of the day, we're both Jack, wearing rings. What if someone wore a ring that's a Jack Selby on it? That's pretty. How weird, How would you right? feel about that? On honored, I would feel. You'd honored. be honored. Yeah, honestly, really? I would oh, it says his name on it too. No, it's just it's it's just a logo. It's yeah. just a logo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? Good for you. Yeah, guys, maybe the, I should yeah. cut in here and yeah, we uh, should say who Michael Yo is and how the heck we met him. So, Greg, take it away. Me? Okay, you fine. Take it away, I'll, I'll take it away. So, so Michael Yo is a comedian. Um, I the first time I ever saw him uh, was on YouTube from AGT, and oh. my first reaction <laughs> was me and my uh, girlfriend at the time, which is now my wife. We were sitting there, we were looking through all the auditions, and it was during the um, pandemic time, and we saw this comedian go on, and we were like, we looked at each other, and we were like, 
dang, comedians have it tough this year because there are no crowds. So imagine going up to a stage performing uh, and not having a bunch of people laugh. Uh, so that can sound pretty intimidating. But aside from that, uh, Michael, I believe, also does shows here in Vegas, around the country. Um, I believe, did you have a show on Sirius? Yeah, I have a like show that? on Sirius XM. Uh, it's a radio show. It's on Pop 2K, so we play like Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys. And oh, cool. Nice. And all that yeah. fun stuff. And then uh, have a new TV show uh, on Apple coming out called Amber Brown, where I play an ex-husband. So that's July 20th. Who's that? Huh? Who's that? Amber Brown. Yes. It's a fictional character, oh, and I okay. play her dad. She's the daughter. Oh. So, and my wife is Sarah Drew, who is on Grey's Anatomy, or mm. was, and she was, uh, I forgot her name on Grey's Anatomy, but she was a big deal on Grey's Anatomy. But she plays my wife, and yeah, so it's a struggle of me getting back into their life, and she's already engaged. So, and it's a family show, and it's on Apple, so that's huge. So that's going to wow. be fun. Yeah. Have you always been funny? No, like, I'm did not you grow really, up and no, like you're not, not funny. I'm not funny. Like my friends, <laughs> you're a comedian. I know, but I'm not funny in real life. I'm funny on stage uh-huh. because my friends. The first time I went on stage, they were like, "Are you sure you want to do this?" Because I I toured and I went to Houston. It was the first time all my friends saw me in Houston. I go, "Dude, you're not funny though. What's gonna happen?" <laughs> I go, "No, I'm funny on stage. I'm just not funny. In real. I'm a serious guy. Not serious, but." I'm kind of just like mellow. I'm chill in real life. But when on stage, I don't know. I just love to tell stories and things like that. So, you know, on stage, I'm great. But So you're just really clever. Like you're able to tell good stories in a, in a funny way and like come up with good jokes and stuff. Absolutely. When it's, when it's calculated. But mm-hmm. like off the hook, that maybe. Oh, I'm terrible. Like uh, yeah. what is, off the cuff? Yeah. Off the cuff. Yeah, like I do. Funny. They invite me to do all these shows where you got to think of stuff real quick. And I'm terrible at that. Really? Yeah. But there's a lot of people that like that. I'm more of a, I don't write anything, but I'm more of, here's a whole story about something that happened. Mm -hmm. Like I have a whole story about me almost dying from COVID. Like I got that big story in my special that's out right now. And it's a 12 minute story, but it's funny because I thought it through and I know the beats and all that stuff. How does that work when you're writing out a script for this? Mm -hmm. How do you insert the jokes in a way that you wouldn't be able to do like on the cuff? I don't write a script. It's I tell a real story. And then heighten it. Joe Coy, he's a big comedian right now. He was my mentor. And he goes, if you ever sit down to write a joke, stop. Sit down, write a real story, and heighten it. So I just tell real stories. So I'm, That's why I never write down stuff. Mm. Because I know the story's true, and I know all the beats to it. Then I just got to find the funny parts in the story and just heighten those. You know? How do you find the funny parts, though? Like, let's say you're telling a serious yeah. story about mm-hmm. you almost dying from COVID. Yeah. At what point are you like, hey, I've got to slip a joke right there? <laughs> okay, well, well, I like to get a laugh every 20 or 30 seconds. So, for mm-hmm. instance, this really happened, and it's not even joke form, but it's just funny when I told it on stage. When uh, the paramedic put on, um, you know, they gave me oxygen, and they told me to say goodbye to my family, so my wife is holding my son at the door, and there's a window separating. I got COVID. I can't touch him. So I put my hand on the window by my son and I'm gasping for air like, <gasps> and my son puts his hand on top of my hand, looks at me and goes, I was not expecting a joke there. No, but yeah, <laughs> so was See, nobody does, but that's what really happens. Yeah. So the truth sort of is funny. And then of course I heighten it where I'm like, this little dude making fun of me, man. Screw you, man. But the comedian in yeah. me is like, his timing's incredible. So it's kind of like I find those moments. I, I talk about how the doctor tested every drug on me and I have jokes about that, how they told me I was the first patient in LA with COVID. I had jokes about that. So I, I just take a real life situation if something happens or if I make somebody laugh, I go, okay, what made them laugh? And I go back yeah. and then kind of write around that. When did you realize you had a talent for that? I guess when I was on Chelsea Lately. Her show was really big. I was a reporter on the show because I worked for E, so I would interview celebrities. And then once we got to, uh, once I got to know all the comedians, Joe Coy was like, you're really funny. You remind me of myself, you should try stand-up. And I tried it and at Miami Improv. And the first time I went on, I did 15 minutes. And that's a long time for your first time ever going on. And I fell in love with it. I got off stage, called my mom and said, this is what I was born to do. And my mom was like, really? You know, because you're not yeah. funny, basically. <laughs> you know, that's a, they, they don't, they've never seen me as that. But on stage, is just yeah. something different. It's fun. Now, how do you improvise on stage if you're not funny in person? How do you shift to character if, like, let's say something happens and you have to stop? Like some and crowd like, work or something. Okay, yeah. so crowd work, I'm terrible at. Like, I know what I'm, like, I know what I want to accomplish. I know how to make people a part of my show, but I know exactly where it go, 
is going. Yeah. Where there are some comedians that can just, my friends, like, I think you saw one of them at Mad Apple, Harrison Greenbaum. Yes. He can just riff with the crowd. Like, that's what he specializes in. Yeah. You know, and like, I've known him for 10 years, and he's so amazing at that. And he's a great storyteller, and he's a great comic, but mm-hmm. he's more of a ba-doom, boom, ba-doom, boom. He's hitting you with jokes fast. Yeah. I'm more of like, so this happened to me today, and I'll take you through a story, and I'll, you'll get emotionally attached to it, and then I'll give you a joke. So he's a different style of comedian, you know, but he's a crowd work comedian. And I love those. Joe Coy was a crowd work comedian. I, Ian Bag is a crowd mm-hmm. work comedian. Me, I kind of... I know exactly where I'm going to get you. I'll, I'll go to you and say, oh, and ask you questions, but I know where I'm going. Yeah. You. you know what I mean? It sounds pretty crazy when you say like, oh, you were interviewing celebrities at E and yep. then you won an America's Got Talent yep. and performed in front of like no crowd or whatever Alex said. And then, you know, now you're a touring comedian. Can you walk us through like where you started and how you got to where you are now? So I started on radio. I was a radio DJ. I had a huge show on radio in Miami. I was on Y100 and the show did so well. And I never did TV before. So the president, from what I understand, the president of E at the time was in town. His name was Ted Harbor. And he heard my radio show because his daughter was thinking of going to the University of Miami. And he heard me interview. I interviewed Nick Lachey when he just broke up with Jessica Simpson. That's how long it was. And he goes, nobody could get that interview. And this kid got it. How did he do that? And it was a great interview. So he goes back. His casting people come out to meet with me. They offered me a job on TV. Never been on TV. Mm-hmm. Never wanted to be on TV. And I said no for like six months because I love radio. I was like, why would I want to be on TV? Because I got to move. And your first TV contract I ever give you, they can let you go every three months, but you can't leave. And I built up this huge show in Miami. I was like, I'm not going to leave where y'all can fire me in three months. So finally, six months went by where I said no. And they called me and go, okay, what can we do to get you here? I go, let me keep my radio show, build me a radio studio. I'm like, and I'm like, they're never going to do that. So they built me a radio studio. Wow. And it was right across from Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> so Ryan Seacrest was across the hall. This is when American Idol was huge. And I was like, and when you see somebody from afar, you're like, I could never be that. And then when I moved here, and he was pat, I knew him. He would pass me every day and go, what's up, man? It makes it a reality. Like, oh, I can do what that guy does. You know, it may take longer to get to where he is, but I can do that. And that's how it kind of all took off. And then they put me on TV and it just kind of took off from there. I was on the Kardashians. I did um, uh, Chelsea Lately. And uh, I was at E when it was huge. And then I, and then I worked for Extra, Insider, E.T., uh, access Hollywood. So I worked for all those shows and I would just, my specialty was interviewing people like celebrities. Yeah. Or some notable people that you'd interviewed. Well, I mean, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks is phenomenal. Tom Cruise is awesome. Will Smith before all the trouble. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't care what people say about him. The nicest guy you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. I know he had a breakdown on stage or I don't know what he was going through. Always treated me with respect. Was so nice to everyone. And he, uh, yeah, he messed up. Yeah, but. you keep his name out of our podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. trying. He's always been great. But then, I mean, The Rock, Kevin Hart, Will Ferrell. I mean, just about, there's not one person that you could think of that's, you know, has a big career that I haven't interviewed. Leonardo DiCaprio. Amazing. So I interviewed him. <laughs> oh. I interviewed him. Um, it was, what was the movie? Um, uh god what was it called started with a d i can't remember the Django. no no actually well i've interviewed him for that one but it was this no it was the one that was it didn't start with a d inception no it was the fancy one boss lerman did it i think oh great gatsby yes so Mm -hmm. we were at the great gatsby interviewing him and man let me tell you the dude it's so interesting interviewing people like him because you sit down you go i'm interviewing a legend i mean he's not one but when it's all said and done, he's yeah. a legend. And that's where I get kind of like stoked about it because you're interviewing a person that when history is done in acting, he's going to be a legend. Mm-hmm. And he's great. He's nice. You know, I mean, he's not like going to make you laugh or anything. He's a serious actor where like a Ben Stiller, or Chris Rock or Kevin Hart, they'll make you laugh during the interview. He's all about the work. You know what I mean? I mean, you'll have cute moments with him, but it's not like you're breaking anything with yeah. Leonardo do you, DiCaprio. Do you come up with your own questions to ask or are there pre-set questions? You 
that they know ahead of time. Well, this is why I got out of it, because there are some things they want you to ask, and it's your job to ask, but you could ruin relationships. You could piss off actors because you got to ask about their personal lives, Mm -hmm. because really, honestly, nobody gives a about the movie. Nobody cares about your movie. You know, really, honestly, Mm -hmm. nobody, maybe Top Gun, they care about it, but they don't care about the shots and they don't care about, oh, so how long were you in the plane shooting? They don't care. Tom Cruise, who are you dating now? (laughs) What's up with you and your kid? Like, that's what they care about. Yeah. And if publicists don't say, because when you get there, publicists give you guidelines. They go, you can ask, you can't ask about X. But if a publicist doesn't say that, you have to ask because your your boss will call and go, well, they didn't say give you regulations. You, so you could have asked, why didn't you? And I just got tired of, I don't care about your personal life. I don't even care about your movie. You know, I just do this because I love interviewing people. Mm-hmm. And then it got to it got to a point where it was just, I would think of the fun questions and then they would have the gossipy questions, the ones that's on the front page of magazines. And that sucks to be that guy that breaks the story about somebody's past relationship or if somebody died in their life or something like that, you know? So what was mm-hmm. like a question that you asked where it really didn't go over well? Oh my someone? God. So Anna, what was her name? Uh, Anna Ferris? No. Uh, Anne Hathaway. Yes. Oh, How do you do that, Jack? Django or the Great Gatsby. <laughs> look, look. But so uh, she was in Rio. It was it was a cartoon called Rio 2, right? This is when Kanye West and uh, Kim Kardashian were on uh, like Vanity Fair, or one of these big magazines. It's the lady that wears the glasses, that devil wears Prada. Uh, Meryl Streep? No, yeah, but she was playing this lady. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, what, that, as for, who's that lady, Jack? Who's that lady, name Jack? It? Double glasses? What? She has the big... She's like huge. She does the mat. And it was the first time they ever put like a reality star in the industry. It was like, oh, this the, the magazine's going downhill. But Anne Hathaway was on the magazine. So my boss was like, you got to get her to talk about Kanye West and Kim Kardashian on the magazine. And in my mind, I'm going, that's the dumbest. Girl. Who cares her thought? Because because she was on the magazine doesn't mean she cares about that. And it didn't knew, have anything to do with it. Nothing. Really. Yeah. That's not that's like me asking y'all about a person that podcasts when y'all podcast. It's yeah. like, well, what do you think? Like, you're like, I don't even know them. Yeah. Why would I care? I asked her that question. Yeah. She was really nice. So you had to climb, you had to kind of walk up to this platform where she was. And I'm walking down the platform. And can I curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She goes, why the fuck would he ask me that question when I don't give a shit about the Kardashians? I don't give a shit about who the fuck cares who's on a magazine, blah, 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 blah. And I got really angry and I was about to go back up. And then I go, no, she's right. Cause that's what I said to my boss before I, she, he made me ask that Why question. Why don't you defend yourself? Because it, she was right. Like so she, why don't you say like yeah, oh I character. agree like yeah. well because yeah. I was already down the she was on a platform so yeah. I was walking down she thought I was already down oh. but I was midway did she think you could hear her she had no idea I could hear her. <laughs> so she was just like blasting me and then the problem is her publicist calls our boss yeah. and we never ran it so I asked this stupid question for nothing and I got tired of doing that. You know, I thought they were going to twist to be like, Anne Hathaway doesn't care about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. <laughs> I mean, they could have. They yeah, have that's the, what I was thinking. And they, they could, would twist it. Yeah. But they're not going to give you the footage. Because mm. when you do a junket, they keep all the footage. And if they say it's okay, they give you the footage. Oh. They wouldn't give me that. They didn't give it to our team. So we couldn't run it. And that's like, so you ruin a relationship, a future relationship to interview somebody. Because just like I would imagine you know, finance or whatever you do, it's all about contacts. Mm-hmm. And if nobody wants you to, my contacts were celebrities. And if nobody wanted me to interview them, I lose my job. And so you could scratch Anne Hathaway off the list, you know? And uh, after a couple of those. So you were worried about like damaging yourself to the point where you've ruined connections well, with people? Ruined or? connections with publicists. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you're that guy. Yeah, you become that guy. Oh, when yeah. he, he he's not going to do a fun interview. He's yeah. going to do a fun, but then he's going to ask crappy questions mm-hmm. and make the celebrity mad. Do we want to really put him in a room with Brad Pitt or Amber, Angelina Jolie when mm-hmm. he's going to be that guy? I became like for a little bit, I was that guy, but I worked for the biggest entertainment outlet, so they had to take me anyway. Mm-hmm. 
And the publicist like, you could just feel it. I was at, and you, and that sticks with you no matter where you go. Even when you're not working, I would go, I lived in LA. I would go to places where celebrities were. And you could see them kind of like, oh, is he going to rat on what we're Really? They'd notice you and just like recoil and yeah, you really? Saw I'm very, I have a yeah. look to me when I walk in the room. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, they would call, yeah, because they yeah. knew that, oh, if I do something, this guy could report it on TV. And I hated oh, that feeling. I had that wow. moment with Rihanna where she was like freaking out. I was in this room. We were in this VIP thing. It was only about 20 people. It was backstage at a concert. And, you know, I could tell, you could just feel it. She was like, Ugh. I saw, I, I walked in, I could see her just kind of roll her eyes. And literally I went up to her and go, yo, I'm not, I'm not here for that. You know? And I just got sick of being yeah. that guy where, and also it wasn't my dream to interview these people. My dream is to, have my own podcast interview people where I own everything. And I wanted things to, you know, I was living everybody else's dream. It's interesting to interview everybody and they're living out your dream. And this is not your dream at all. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I said, okay, I started comedy. Let me go on AGT. Uh, there was no audience. They called me the night before. They're like, do you want to wait till next year? And I go, no, I'll just do it. And then I did the first episode and then I got COVID almost died. Mm -hmm. And then that was like, so I was sick the whole time. It took me 10 months to get well. So I was sick during the second round and then uh, I wasn't, I didn't move forward and it was this weird situation, but it's more about now moving forward for me, betting on yourself. Mm -hmm. And I never really did that before Yeah, because my job was not to bet on myself. It was being told what to ask, going to somebody, hearing about their life dreams and then going back and go, Oh, I got yeah. your question. Like that was the big deal. If I asked, got a great answer to a question my, they wanted, you know? And it's like, like, do you ever uh, keep in contact with those celebrities after you interview them? Like maybe you hit it off and you're just like, Hey, let's hang out sometime. You know what? I, I've never been that guy. Really? I mean, I have, my phone is loaded with celebrity names, but I've just never been that guy because I, I, um, I always want to be the guy when I do go to a celebrity. It's for, they're not ever gonna say, oh, I was partying with that guy and I don't want him to work, I don't wanna work with that guy. I always wanted to keep a certain image with people mm -hmm. that when I do call, they're like, okay, let me listen. Because he's never asked me for anything. This must be serious. Like, for instance, The Rock. I love The Rock and it's a thing where if I ever call The Rock, you know, hopefully he'll pick up and it'll be like, okay, he never reaches out. What's the deal, Michael? You've always treated yeah. me well in press. I've treated you well. What, what project do you have? You know, so that's that's the kind of situation I want to be in with these celebrities. Wouldn't it be better though to get buddy buddy with The Rock and just say like, "Hey, let's if, if he's free, hang out, go to the gym." <laughs> not know? his gym. Have you seen that dude? I, mean, I don't. I don't really. And here's the thing: it, it's very interesting. I don't like people. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I love performing. I love doing my thing, but I'm not a big hanger outer. Mm -hmm. Like I have my close friends, but they're all in Houston. So I mean, I'll do poker night and things like that, but. Me going out, like I'm married with two kids. I don't go out anymore. I, like I, I gotta watch these kids. My wife is so awesome. So that's my life right now. And since I travel so much, I gotta. When I'm in town, it's kind of just that. Got you know? it. I know it sounds like this boring married guy, but it's crazy. You know, it's 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 a very exciting life. Yeah. Because we get to do a lot of stuff, but it's also you know it's like once you're at home with kids, it's that's your focus. You mm -hmm. know. I figure we should mention, because yeah. I don't think we mentioned this before, but you guys are neighbors. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's how this whole yeah. thing like occurred yeah. and how you you know you met each other and whatnot. Yeah, how was it? I was walking to the gym and I think I saw you unpacking some stuff and I wanted to be neighborly and go and say you hi. Were. Yeah. He came up, he introduced himself to yeah. me and I was and I was like, Oh, that's awesome. So a couple of days later, um, you know, I I knocked on your door. Mm -hmm. And just said hi and asked, had some questions about, because I knew you were in the podcast world, and just had some questions. And then it kind of just went for, you in, automatically invited me to poker night, which was Oh, awesome. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I couldn't make it because I was performing. But it's, it's awesome the more you learn about where we just moved, how it's just phenomenal, first of all. I, I, when I look back on L.A., anytime I land in L.A. or go back, I want to get out because I love the space here. I love, yeah. I just love the lifestyle. I love performing here. I love flying out of here for my job. It's the best. Yeah. Now, I got to ask, why did you leave California? Got to get that little audio clip in there. Oh yeah. So I left California because we lived in studio city and after COVID, after I beat it, I was walking my son in our neighborhood and a homeless person 
like we lived in a really nice neighborhood, threw something at my son. And he was three. So that's when I told my wife and she, she said, let's go visit my parents in Vegas. And we fell in love with it, rented something for two years till they built our house mm-hmm. here and then just moved in like two months ago or three months ago. And man, talk about a difference. Yeah. Everything's easier out here. Everything's cheaper out here. People don't care what you do. You know, the hard thing to me personally about L.A., is I tell people it's if everybody everybody does the same thing if you're in my industry and you live around and you talk to those people all the time. It's almost like if everybody worked in the same restaurant and everybody wanted to be the general manager of that restaurant. So every conversation is like, oh, who's on fries? Who's on the cashier? Who's on? The... So it's like, what audition? What'd you do? What'd you do today? What'd you do? So that's a heaviness that that's on you. Mm-hmm. And once I moved here, after I do an audition, I won't get asked by anyone. Nobody cares about my audition. Nobody cares about anything. And that's what I love about Vegas. You know, like people, it's the first time in a long time they talk to you about your, they ask you about your kids, your family, and it's pretty cool. And like our neighborhood, this neighborhood is like great people. And like my kids have met so many other kids and the parents are like, there's some amazing people Mm. that live in this neighborhood and I'm meeting all of them. And it's like, like, this is a hot spot. You know, for yeah. talent, for <clears throat> connections, for everything. Who else have you met here? Because I, I never introduced myself ever to the neighbors in L.A. Who else? Do you, you want me to say? Who, yeah, sure. You know, I wanna... the governor lives like three I... houses away. Really? The go- Yes. The governor. I heard really? that, the, that he yeah. lived in this. I know. He lives like right up the street. Really? The governor. Yeah, I see him at the gym. He's at the gym. Wait, which one is he? Because I, I go to the gym. Huh? I go to the gym, What's he too? look like? Well, yeah. he, he goes to like 5 a.m. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I definitely do not. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> yeah, whether, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, Sisolak, he he lives here. The guy, oh, I definitely have not seen him. Yeah, the guy that yeah. created the Dune video game lives here, right up the street. Really? Oh, dude, oh he's, a, he's a massive, like... See the guy with the Corvette I always see? He lives, yeah. if you were to go straight up from your house, yeah. the set where they built all that stuff in the front of their house. Yeah. Yeah. He wow. lives right. So he's created all these electric companies and he sells them. I mean, it's 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 crazy. Like football players, basketball yeah. players for the Raiders, for uh, the hockey team live here. That's nuts. Yeah. And because yeah. They all, the great thing is I meet them because we all have kids, mm. you know. So I think that's what gets me out more than you is because our kids play with their kids and it's all this. It's and it's so organic. you're saying kids are good for networking. <laughs> Great That's it. First thing and I think, and I think, Jack, you should have a kid. So I should have a kid. Yeah. And, I think, and yeah. I think that's the most important thing you're going to learn on this podcast for this neighborhood. Kids in wow. Vegas are great for networking. Before the podcast, we were talking about like how people put certain like societal or like restrictions on what comedians can or can't say. And you being a comedian, I yes. know that this is a kind of like a controversial. Uh, and debatable topic. What do you think about comedians making jokes that maybe could be seen as like too far or feeling like they can't be too edgy or anything? And are we moving in that direction? No, I don't think we are. I think certain people are. Here's the problem today is a very small group can make a lot of noise and get people canceled. You know, because most people don't care what other people say. They just, they live their lives. You know, and that's one thing when I lived in L.A., it's very left, so all you hear is that, oh, you get really like used to hearing one side. And then when you move here where it's 50-50, you're like, oh, people don't really care. You know, you, I, people are like, oh, when you move to Vegas, oh, my God, people are going to go nuts. They're going to be waving Trump flags in front of your house. <laughs> no, it's not like that. So you learn that it's just a very small group of people that do that. Now, there are certain comedians that will push the envelope. You got Dave Chappelle talking mm-hmm. about transgender and he gets in a lot of trouble for that. And I feel that it's interesting. Comedians, bigger comedians will always say, nothing should ever stop you from saying what you want to say. The comedians that are saying that are loaded, making 20, $25 million a special, right? People like me coming up, I... I watch what I say. I always say what I want to say, but I'll try to find a less offensive way to say it because I'm still trying to come out, mm. you know? And so I think that's the, that's where we are. The people that have made it, the Bill Burr's, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Dave Chappelle's, the Sebastian's, the, well, Jim Gaffigan doesn't push that line. Jim Jeffries is one of my personal friends. Like he will push it because he doesn't care. But now don't you think that these people all made their careers coming up by saying those things? And now that we've moved in a direction that's against it, they could 
get away with it only because they're so big by doing that already? Is it is it that we're more sensitive or we're more evolved? See, this is where I go back and forth is if you watch Eddie Murphy's Raw and Delirious, it's so out of out of tone for what we're like mean, mm. he drops the F word. He's talking about all kinds of things you could not talk about today. You know? So I think I think he shouldn't apologize for that back then because it was very acceptable back. You look at it today, you go, oh my God. If you've never seen Raw Deliver, go back and watch that. And it will blow you away. Was that the one in the 80s? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen clips of He's hilarious, though. He's hilarious. Yeah. But if you watch the whole special, you'll be like, whoa. Like, there's no way. No way you could say that today. You talk about canceled. Nobody would put you on TV. You would be thrown out of the United States of America, probably, if you said the things he said in that special. And he apologized for it. But to me, you shouldn't apologize for it because... You filled up movie theaters with people wanting to see that, you know, and mm. it was acceptable at the time. What what people, the cancel culture gets confused with things were like when people have to go back and apologize for things. A lot of times, whether it was right or wrong, it was acceptable. You know, I'm not saying really getting super racial and just being wrong at all periods of time. What I'm saying is certain words were acceptable at a time. It's not right. But at a time, it was very acceptable. You know, uh, talking about certain certain genders were okay at a time. Today, it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to say this, but I know I can get backlash. So now it's on the comic. Mm-hmm. Is it right he's going to get backlash? Mm-hmm. It depends what he says. You know, I, I believe in freedom of speech. And what people forget is if I say something to you and you don't like it, you have the freedom of speech to go complain. So people always take the other side out of the equation. They go, like when you hear news anchors, they're trying to cancel me. It's like, no, you said what you had to say. Now these other people are saying what they have to say. You know, so if you look at it that way, cancel culture is normal. because at Is all- it? Because it seems like a new thing. I don't remember this being a thing like six years ago. Because there was no 24-hour news. There was no social media, somebody, somebody, if it took work to cancel somebody, nobody would do it. It take, it's harder for me to cancel my gym membership than to cancel a person. Like literally you have to write a letter to your gym. You have to bring it. They have to meet with an advisor. Advisor tries to keep you to stay. You say no. And they're like, all right, well, and they try to work out the exit deal. Mm-hmm. This 10 seconds. If it catches fire, the person gets canceled. If not, no big deal. They move yeah. on. Don't it's, you think that's dangerous though? It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. But also, as a comedian, you can't stop what other people do because now everybody has an opinion. You know, you remember when you used to have to actually know what you're talking about? <laughs> you remember those things? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but if you specialize in finance, yeah, if you specialize sure. in comedy, if you, like these people work years for people to trust them to even get on TV. Now, you hold up your phone, you're an expert. Like when people, when people go, I do my own research, that's very dangerous. Especially about medical stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, no, talk to a doctor that actually does it as a profession that actually went to school for it. But you have people just Googling whatever, coronavirus, reading what they want to read, and then that's what they go with, and then they get mad if you don't agree with right. them. Right. So you know, I recently went to a Bruno Mars concert, I and they him. took away all our phones. And I heard some comedians are doing this too. And uh, You have to. So, yeah, I was going to ask you. So you agree with this? And if so, why? A hundred percent. you Seller, not here, but in New York, they take away everybody's phones. They put them in a green bag, and you got to tap it to leave. Because this is what frustrates me. When you're on stage as a comedian, when I'm at the Comedy Cellar tonight, what I'm saying on stage is not the final product, but you're judging what I say like it's the final project, pro- a product. Like my special that's out right now, mm-hmm. that's the final product, you know? So it's kind of like me going to a writer that writes all these negative stories about comedians, turning in their first draft and going, this is your first, well, no, I got to correct all the mistakes. And then an editor has to read it and then he sends it back to me and then I got to do it again. I got to rewrite some of the stuff. But comics don't get that leniency. It's kind of whatever you say, it's done. This is what you think. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, that's why we go up and practice. Because you could say anything and somebody could, now you can say anything and people take it wrong. You know, I have a joke about my son and my daughter. And I go, my son uh, bumped my daughter once, right? You know, and she was playing with a toy. And I got really angry. 
And then I make a quick joke and go, but my daughter could hit my son in the face with a brick. And I'd be like, oh, good job, you know? <laughs> because it just shows the, mo- the father thing versus yeah. the mother and son. People are like, this is right after Johnny Depp. Yeah. Like, this is the nicest joke. I'm the nicest human. And they're like, you're teaching sexism. Your son's going to beat women. Your, your girl's going to beat up men. Like, they're going bonkers about it. Like, like this. Why is- do they even show up to the comedy thing no it's on youtube they, so it's, they, oh it's just reposted and oh, what it's, it's the youtube comments it's oh. the youtube comments. oh man the yeah, comments like people go and i'm never like to be honest with you my youtube when i my special came out three months ago i had three thousand people on youtube like i it was a dumping i never even mm. i never looked at it and then they go you should really put together your youtube if you're going to put out a special so for me i put out the special and then three months later you know i've, I've gone from thirty thousand views for a channel like for the eight years to now in just three months, I got 120,000 people and over 37 million. So for me, that's great because I never had anything before, but I got to get used to just random people getting really pissed off yeah. about, I'm not used to that. You know, it's just, they really get upset and I'm not even a canceled type of comic, but to see people overreact about a joke about my son and daughter, it's a joke. But they take yeah. it as real. But you could use that as content. 100%. And yeah. I am for my next special. I'm going to read yeah. some of the comments and let them know how freaking ridiculous they are and how dumb they are. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And I'm getting so much material from that. I mean, these people, you know what's amazing to me? That people have time to write paragraphs and paragraphs to you on a comment. Who does that? Do you have no life? I mean, I've done that before. Have it's, you? Yeah, oh not my negative. God. Oh my God. Not negative. It's all never negative stuff. But like sometimes I'm really deep involved in the video, and I just want to like. I've I've written write long out. long things too, have but you? it's usually yeah. in res- no. It's it, it's in response to someone saying like some sort of critique to me, and I try to like understand what they're saying, and then I give them a nice you know a well thought out message back. But why you don't even know these people? Because I I don't know. I'm sensitive. Maybe I don't. Yeah, know. But the thing I, is, I, so that's that's your you response is public, so even if. If you don't know them, other people who see that comment will see your response. Yeah, because so it's like also, you're talking to hundreds or thousands if, of people. If yeah. one person has like they have a misread on what you said or whatever, and then they comment about it, other people can see that and just latch on to that. But yeah. if you don't respond and defend yourself, then get, that will happen and it will be like an echo chamber. But if you do respond, people will see your response, be like, you know, that's reasonable, and then not like all get I get that thought themselves. I responded. I go, This is a joke. And I said, first of all, my daughter is one. She can't be even funny. pick up a brick. It'd be funny if, if you commented back, my daughter will beat up your daughter. So that's the thing is like I found humor. Like when people say, I don't like that. I'll just, oh, you know, me neither. You know, uh, you'd write cute stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's just amazing. Like when people just sit down and just write and write and write. To, I, it, but it's a new thing for me on yeah. YouTube, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was it? I was listening to a podcast. Um and uh, they, they mentioned something about how the news cycle changes completely every 36 hours. Yes. And so 36 hours from now, unless there's an update, like no one's going to care anymore and people stop running the story. And that is true because 24-hour news changed the whole game. I, I, I'm older than y'all, but I was in the day when there was you waited till 7 o'clock to hear your news. And whatever they said that night, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was the news. And they would run one story for a month if it was a big story. Now, news outlets hype up stories so much and put all these experts on that will disagree with what they say and fight with other people. And that's what it's become, just opinions. you know. And they got to do that to keep people interested. Because if a news anchor just comes up and tells you the facts, you're like, okay, so what am I going to do with that? Mm-hmm. I want to hear people argue about yeah. that. you know. And that's where we are. So... And what proves what you just said, there's presidents that'll do stupid things and say crazy things. And 36 hours later, they could say something else and you totally would forget about the thing they said before. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's ways to take advantage of it, too. If you are that character, you know, where you don't care and you're going to say whatever you want to say, they'll forget about you. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're one natural disaster or one hurricane or anything away. Something bad happening from people totally forgetting yeah. about the dumb thing you did. Do you have a review process for your jokes? Like, do you do you have a person who maybe says, "Hey, Michael, not a good idea. Soften this up a little bit." Do you do you have like someone? My wife, yeah, kinda, you know. And I have a couple comics that travel with me, and yeah. we always throw stuff off of each other. Like, my wife is very sensitive to topic matters, mm-hmm. so my last special, I didn't let her see it till I shot it, mm-hmm. and then 
my family, my mom, dad, they they tried to cancel me. So I'm not worried about they outside. Did? Oh yeah, because what happened? Of, now we got to hear it. Oh, uh, you know soon. what? I I had a yeah. joke where it's not me saying it, yeah. but I called my wife a bee in it. But I don't mean it wasn't me. I said the joke is I survived COVID. I'm going through that, and I go. My wife is taking care of my kids. I'm hearing my son ask where daddy is, and I'm getting breakfast, lunch, and dinner delivered to my room. And then the crowd starts laughing. I go, man, COVID ain't that bad. I feel like a husband in the 50s. Now, I said, I feel like I, yeah. I'm like, get those kids away from me. Bitch, where's my dinner? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not calling but me. I'm not yeah. calling me. Yeah. Oh, my but gosh. Her, but, but. I get, I get what you, you say. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, if I was 50, like if I was yeah. in the 50s. You're making fun of these. I'm making yeah, fun of what they called like women. But my wife didn't hear it like that. She was like, oh, you call me a bitch. And then my mom. Let, watch my first special four years ago and she was there and we watched it together now that all these reels are coming out people are making reels yeah. and in one of those i called her a bitch but it wasn't it wasn't me again similar like similar exam. situation yeah, yeah, yeah. you know oh. and then so you gotta and then the biggest mistake i made in this comedy special and my wife told me not to do it yeah <laughs> and i did it i called my kid uh a motherfucker <laughs> What's the what's no? The but I should. That, that alone's enough for Alex. Just to why? Yeah, no, Alex is laughing. No, Alex no, is laughing. Alex no, finds no, it funny. But I, yeah. It's funny in the in the bit. But I had a clean version where I don't say that, and I was like, "Man, motherfucker is so funny, dude." But I was like, now that I watch it, I go, "What if my son gets old like this? My dad called me motherfucker." I think he's. I don't think funny. he's gonna care. No. Hopefully he doesn't. But I didn't. But I guess my thing is I didn't have to say it because I could. Did I could have said this. This little. Like, well, it goes, uh, it, it was when after he touches the window. Yeah. And then I go, this little motherfucker making fun of me, man. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. And then I go, but the comedian says his time is incredible. I could have said, I had a version that worked just as the last one to say. I go, this little dude's making fun of me. Because the joke is the <gasps> thing. I, and then I go, this little dude's making fun of me. Screw you, dude. But the comment, so I had the clean oh, version of it. But, but that's not as, it doesn't it's have the same like, punch. Like, it's yeah, like, it's showing that like, you know, he's not your kid. It. It's like disassociating that. Yeah. He's not, because I'm not making fun of him. I'm. Will you go talk to my wife and <laughs> let her know, right? Two houses, just yeah, go talk. I, I, and that's I mean, the thing. And then you worry about, oh, if my wife is like that, she must have heard outside noise from other people that's saying, he called you a bitch in this special. <laughs> yeah. like, Did no, she? Not, I don't think so. Okay. I, I feel hope like not. It's, yeah. Like, it I would never want to offend her family. Yeah. Right now, but yeah. I didn't call her that. Yeah. I was like, if this person in the 50s. No, I, I get it. You get I it, get right? it. But you get it, right? Yeah. Like, if you say this little kid is making fun of me, I feel like that comes off as even more genuine, as though, like, there's tension between you and your son. But if you yeah. disassociate you your relationship from this, like, you know, or the silliness of the situation yeah. by calling me an MFR, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean? Then it's like, it's yeah. completely detaching. You're just talking about the I situation. I find the extreme so much funnier. It like, is. you have to take it to, like, that, where it's, it's, it's like, obvious. It's so obvious, but it's so extreme. So that's like, that the, to me is where the humor lies. So that's the thing. I was yeah. Watching my special back, I had both versions. I go, man, mother, motherfucker just hits. It does. It just I hits, mean, man. You and could the, have done it the other way and got ninety percent, but no, nah, like, it was or, like more of 50. 70, 60. Right, yeah. Yeah. But when you say the MF for yeah. man, they're like, ah! <laughs> when you say this little guy, yeah. they're like, eh. yeah. <laughs> That's I, I agree with you on that. You know, yeah. so it's it's it, I'm not even worried about getting cancer from the outside. I'm worried yeah. about. Like now, I have this new joke I'm working on for my next special where it talks about how women can't make men great. I mean, how men can't make women great. But then I get to the point where I talk about women, how you make us great, but you drive us fucking crazy, right? So now I'm kind of like, okay, what can I talk about? What? How can I dance this line uh, where my wife's not going to get offended? Because now, obviously, I'm talking about that side. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is, I'm talking yeah. in real time now. So that's where I'm like, for my wife, I'm like, okay. You know, like yeah. my wife, the thing I'm talking about now is my wife loves to set traps for me. And every woman does in a relationship. They will ask you questions where both answers are wrong. No matter what you answer, it's wrong. Yeah. My wife was like, Miss Wyoming, blah, blah, blah. So all her friends are like, like beauty, Miss USA's, Miss Universes. That's all her friends, right? Yeah. And when we lived in LA, they would come to the house and they would look at the screen and go, oh my God, she's beautiful. Any answer I say is wrong. If I say she's beautiful, you're like, oh, you think another woman's beautiful? <laughs> if I go, she's ugly, you're like, oh, he's lying. He's lying to me. <laughs> so, like, yeah. those, so those are the elements I'm trying to beat out now. Like, what? Or people I've dated in the past, but I don't like to talk about people I've dated. Yeah. So it's basically my wife. What she does to drive me crazy. 
You know, like when you first get, when you first uh, start dating, when they say your name is sexy, then when you get married about after seven years, when they say your name, you know, you're about to do something, you know, like take out the trash. You know, <laughs> like at the beginning, it's like, Michael, you're like, Ooh, this is about to, we're about to get it out. And later when they say it, like after years, go by, they go, Michael, I was like, oh, what I got to do? What now? is it now? <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. It's fun. That's funny. Yeah. Right? But you got to remember there's a real woman attached to that in Man. real time. You know, so it's now like, here's the thing. Can you, make up stories so that she doesn't feel like you're you're talking about your own relationship no i'd never make up stories yeah. what i will do is put it in other people's words yeah. like i i yeah i will do that i, was about, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say everyone's yeah. got trouble right now that's so, setting you as trap here i'm setting a trap as other people but if you guys are watching but, everything yeah, based on personal. a true story yeah. Yeah. no it's because i was about to say something my wife would watch it and go really no, oh, okay. guys, no but uh it's uh 5 30. Oh, okay. So that's Michael's hard. You out. have a hard out right now. I have a hard out because I got booked on a TV show. Okay. So and they're going over the final, and I'm very happy about yeah. it. So they said they're going to call like any second. All so right. that's why I got to bounce. But it's uh, oh, man. this has been awesome. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much. No, no, man. but we I could have, keep this going longer. Yeah. But you know what? Another time. If Let's I, do it again. And then yeah. next time we won't get into the house thing. We can keep it. I want to hear more about your wife. <laughs> Oh my gosh. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. he wants to talk no. about. Oh, wait, you just got engaged though. Yeah. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. I could start making jokes too. No. <laughs> no, no, no jokes. No, no, I'm kidding. Not, that was no. a joke. Just wait. Yeah, no. Oh my goodness. We'll we'll talk off again. But the, it's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just let her do everything. If she's into weddings or whatever, if she's into that, like my wife was really big into mm -hmm. wedding. No matter they'll ask you for your opinion, they don't want it just be supportive like you'll they'll be like do you like this color or this color and you'll pick a color and they'll be like oh i don't like that i like this one and you're like okay that's what i told him yeah. Yeah. and he said and he said he will stand his ground wait you can go for the wet hills. now i gotta defend myself right, on this there are certain it. things that i feel like i i would be inauthentic to myself if i back down there are other things that uh you know i'm totally fine with whatever macy wants uh i'm good with that like for for a wedding for example if you don't care about it or if I'm indifferent, it, there, there are certain things that I, I'm really passionate about and I feel like I will stand up for those things and other things that I care more about, uh, you know, Macy being happy. For a wedding, I think this is about her and, you know, creating that that day that she's always wanted. Um, for me, it's, uh, you know, I, I care more about her being happy in that moment. So if she's like between I mean, these I'm not talking about the wedding. No. What are you yeah. saying? I was just talking in general. When just we were in the, general? Yeah, when we were at the gym, it was funny. I asked Graham yeah. the question, like, you know, are there certain things that you that you stand for where if Macy did something that you necessarily didn't agree with, but it wasn't the most important thing, you know, do you stand your ground or do you ever give it to Macy and just say, you know what, I'll let you have this one. And then you said, <sighs> no, I will not not be myself. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the truth. Which, it's I mean, I don't even know yeah. if there's a necessarily a right and wrong for this, but sometimes for me personally in my relationships, I like to maybe take some things to the chin and maybe step outside of, uh, go outside of like what I truly believe and just in order to avoid an argument, which I know yeah, sounds extremely, conflict, which I know Jack, sounds extremely yeah. unhealthy yeah. to like bottle that stuff in. But in my opinion, certain times you could do like a cost benefit no, analysis yeah. and say bottle in causes this much damage, but also the potential argument causes this. You know much something damage, interesting, it's a Jack, that, I, that I've worked on. I'll be personal here. Let's hear about That's it. something I, I really worked on. Uh, in the very beginning, I took that approach. And I bottled things up and I think it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I did the same sort of risk versus reward. Within a few months, it got to a point where, where things were just bottling up and I just wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And I got really good at being honest and open and, and sharing my thoughts. And, and if Macy will ask me a question, um, instead of either skirting the issue or just nah, not bothered, eh, it's, it's, I'll be completely honest. So if she ever asked me something like, Graham, did, did, uh, are you upset right now? I'll just flat out say yes um, and why. And I feel so much better about it, and I think our communication is so much better. Uh, that does mean, of course, that there is some conflict if there is something that, you know, either we disagree with or, It's not you know, worth it. Yeah, very I, little I have that, to do the same that, thing, Graham. Yeah. Yeah, there's very little that is not worth it. Um, it's just, you know, on a magnitude of 1 to 10, usually it's minor stuff. Um, it's, it's stupid stuff too. I mean, really stupid. But uh, 
I just feel better about sharing my true thoughts. And if we disagree, we'll talk about it. But that sounds that sounds healthy. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's a healthy balance on both sides of like, you know, maybe I'll just avoid this one because you got to pick your battles. And then other things maybe where it matters a lot more to you than, you know, you could choose to engage in. Yeah, those. so sure. There are some things for me where it's, you know, it, let's just say I'm um, frustrated or something like that. There's certain things for me where, where I know internally not even worth bringing up. Like I'll be totally fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not worth discussing. But anything that it is of any significance for me, I'll uh, I'll always be honest. I think you got to rephrase it, Jack. I don't think you can, you know, be like, yeah, you know, not worth it. You got to be, you know, you. I think the way to phrase it is like you got to really look at the difference that you're having and really think like, is this really important in life? And like completely let it go versus like bottling it up as like Graham was saying in the beginning. Um, because sometimes when I think about those little things, it's like, yeah, really doesn't matter. Let's get over it. And then that's, that's basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean yeah. bottling it up. I just mean just like, you know what? <sighs> letting it slide. No, and because for me, <laughs> I don't no, 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 not for letting sure. it slide. Jack, that's worse. No, yeah. for sure. Like because in the you're past, saying that that's like, bad. No, but I personally, if I accept that I am letting something go, it doesn't bottle up for me, nor does it build resentment. And I, I, I'm able to determine when, if I do bottle something up, it will build resentment versus when it won't. You know what I mean? And obviously it's a net negative if I do end up choosing the yeah. building resentment side. I don't know. I think our communication's gotten a lot better uh, for, for both sides, uh, you know. And, and me being more open is something I've really worked on and like trying to uh, hear another person's side in general. I do remember um, that actually yeah. in the beginning of the relationship, how you kept on like, like I, I could see it on a personal side where like, you know, like obviously there's, there's something that bugged you or whatever. And you're just like, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Cause you like it. avoiding the arguments. So, and it does seem a lot, you know, healthier or whatever now. Yeah. So. Or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, where do, wait, where'd Michael go? So guys, Michael had a call because he's going on a show. So he had to leave and we are extremely grateful that he came on the iced coffee hour. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We have a yeah. Patreon link down below. Oh, Michael, we do. Jack, tell us about the uh, the Patreon. What right, guys, what yeah. happened? You just completely redid it. So yeah, we restructured the entire Patreon and uh, we changed the perks around. And I think it's really cool. Let us know what you guys think down below. We got some really really cool and interesting ideas. That I think you guys will really like. Yeah, so check it out to see what those are. And uh, I also told Jack, is it Jack too expensive? And he lowered the price. That is the. Exact opposite of what the truth is. <laughs> that is the exact <laughs> opposite What's the truth, of what Jack? the truth Tell is. Us. So let's not. No, no. Okay. With that said, you know guys, what? thank we'll you so much for watching. Time. Yeah. Just make sure to get your free stock down below in the description when you sign up for public use of the code Graham. Check uh, out Michael. Check out my Instagram at yeah. JLS S E L B Y. Also, oh. big big thank you to our sponsors of this episode. And with that said, you guys. Till next time. Till next time. Cool.